0: about how God wants us to thrive and to flourish. How God's reaching out to all of us to strengthen our relationship with Him so that we can blossom and bloom and grow and change and grow closer to Him in His love and His grace. And He wants us to discover the freedom of a full, rich relationship with Him. And we talked about the parable of the sower last week. And really over the next, next few Sundays, where God just kind of led me back to go back and pick out some places in that parable. To look at. Let me tell you the parable again. Parable of Sower is where it says, Jesus says, A sower went forth to sow, and he cast his seed. Some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it, because the path was hard. Some fell upon rocky soil. It sprang up, but because it had so little depth, when the sun came out, it scorched it, and it withered and died. Some fell among the thorns, and when it grew, the thorns grew too, and the thorns choked it out. And then finally, some fell among the good soil, and there it produced a crop 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times. He said, then Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. So i want to look at that first section of that parable. We kind of opened it last week. Let's look at that first section, because Jesus explains it in Matthew 13, 18, and 19. He says, Listen then to what the parable of sore means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. So I looked at that this week, as Cod kind of led me this week. I realized the path represents hard places in our lives. I, I don't know if any of you hike. I love to hike. Sometimes, if you go out, you'll find this this path, right, a hiking trail, and it's dirt. Just it's been compacted. Why has it been compacted so much? What's happened to cause that dirt to be compacted so much on a hiking trail? Okay, constant walking over. that. So many people walk. It just gets constantly pounded and pounded, and it gets beat down from all the pounding. I think sometimes in our lives there are places that we travel a lot or places that God that leads us that pounds us in our hearts, and they can become hard. It becomes like this path, right? And, and it becomes hard from all the things, and it keeps us from really flourishing and thriving and growing. And Jesus says in those moments, if you're not careful, the devil can come in and snatch out of your life the very thing that God wants to put into your life. The very, the very growth of the seed. And I think what happens is the devil comes along and he says things like this. You believe in God, but look where it got you. Why do you trust in him? Or he comes along and says, shouldn't have Jesus made your life just a little bit easier? And look what's happened. Sometimes he comes along and says, "Jesus might as well give up. You know, Jesus didn't work. You tried him, but he didn't work. Or he says, if God really loved you and cared for you, why did he... And you can fill in a blank... He's trying to snatch out of your life what God wants to plan into it. As the devil is at work in our world. In first Peter he says this humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, casting all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Catch this be self controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same sufferings. Satan is at work in our world. Okay? Now there's some that don't believe in the devil, but that's probably his trick to say if you don't believe in him, then you have to worry about fighting him, right? And it actually gets us into more hot water than ever before. But he's real. And he wants to steal out of our lives what Jesus wants to plant into them. So I thought about these hard places we go through. I thought about those hard spots. I thought, what are some of those hard spots that we go through? What are some hard places that we deal with? And this morning as I was sitting there and I was listening to the worship team, God brought this scripture to my mind. It's a place where Jesus was preaching somewhere and a writer comes from a Lazarus house. And he says to the Lord, you know, the one whom you love is sick, come and lay your hands on him, that might be be well. Lazarus' sisters are inviting Jesus to come back to Lazarus and lay his hands on him, because Lazarus is dying. And the scripture says Jesus waited four more days. And I think that was a hard place in Mary and Martha's life. It was a hard place because they sent for Jesus and he doesn't show up. They sent for Jesus. It's like, where's Jesus at right now? Why isn't he coming? He's always been here before. He's a friend at our house. He comes here. He's eaten with us. He's taught us. Why isn't he coming? And it was a hard place. And I think sometimes for those of us, we have those hard moments where we pray, we talk to God, we claim the scriptures, we go to church, we tithe, we do all those things, and it seems like he doesn't show up when we need him to. You ever been there? So Jesus finally tells the disciples, let's go to Bethany. The disciples say, but you don't want to go there because the Jews want to kill you, Lord. And he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. I said, well, if he's fallen asleep, Lord, he'll get better. They didn't understand. And finally Jesus says, Lazarus ha- is dead. Catch this. It almost blows our minds. He says, I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there so you can see the glory of God. It's like, Jesus, what are you saying? You're glad that Mary and Martha are going through this pain of loss of their brother? You're glad they're weeping and crying right now? It doesn't make sense to us, Jesus. I think you would look at us and say, you're exactly right. I'm not asking that it makes sense to you. I'm asking that you trust me. I'm asking that you believe in me. I'm asking that you depend on me and that you walk with me that's what happens in those hard places the devil comes along doesn't want us to trust God he doesn't want us to depend upon God he doesn't want us to lean upon God he wants us to decide it doesn't work it's not, it's not valuable anymore Jesus we tried him in it he didn't help me get my way and the Lord says trust me do we believe in the God who knows what he's doing 12 of us do ok ok Do we believe in a God who knows what he's doing? Amen? Okay. Do we believe in a God who's all good? Amen? Do we believe in a God who loves us more than our very lives? Amen? Okay. Now, if we believe in that God, then we have to trust him in those moments where the path has gotten hard and it doesn't make sense to us. Now, here's the rest of the story. It's the good part of the story, right? Jesus shows up And Mary and Martha are weeping and crying. They say, oh, Lord, if you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. But we know that he'll give you whatever you ask. And Jesus looks at Martha and said, your brother will rise again. Oh, Lord, I know he'll rise on that last day. Listen to me, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen? So he shows up at the tomb, right? And Jesus is the shortest version of the Bible is Jesus wept. He's crying, he's weeping. He feels the pain that Mary and Martha are going through. He understands their grief. He understands their lost. He understands all of those things that's going on. And everybody even the Jews said, didn't you know look what it got Lazarus for loving Jesus, you know? And there they are. There's this tomb with a stone rolled in front of it. Jesus standing there, the Jews, Mary and Martha, his disciples. And Jesus says, Roll the stone away. Of course, Martha says, But Lord, he's been dead four days. King James Version, he stinketh. Didn't I tell you if you only believed, you would see the glory of God? Please, roll the stone away. And I think in those hard moments in our life, Jesus steps up to us and says, you know what? It may stinketh right now, but roll the stone away and let's see what I can do. Roll the stone away, have faith in me, and trust me, and let's see what happens. And of course, you know the story. They rolled the stone away. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came out. Raised from the dead. And I tell you that there are hard places in our life where things have died. Relationships have died. Dreams have died. But Jesus specializes in resurrections. And if we have faith and trust in him, if we walk that journey... We trust what he's planning in our lives and don't let the devil snatch it away. I guarantee you somewhere down the road you'll see a resurrection and a life come because your faith is not in what you see. Your faith is not in what you feel. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Those are hard places. You ever been there? There's another hard place that we deal with. i got to find it in my notes now. Jesus says this. He says, Don't suppose I have come to bring peace on, this, on the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. I have come to turn a man's father against his, his son and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Some of the hard places in our life are families, aren't they? Some of the hard places in our lives is our relationship with those people we should trust and should we should be able to trust, and they've let us down. Families are important to us all. They're people we deeply care about. They're people we deeply love. They're people we want their approval of. And when they wound us and reject us, it hurts us deeply. And those wounds are not easily healed. Okay? And those wounds leave scars on our hearts that we will have until we're raised from the dead and meet Jesus in heaven. Those wounds shape how we see ourselves, how we see people, how we see God, how we see life. And I want you to hear this very hard saying of Jesus that's in this passage of scripture on how we deal with that. Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up a cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever will lose his life, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What do you love the most? That's the question. And the scriptural answer is, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We should love him more than anything or anyone else in this world. And that's hard. And Jesus says if you really want to deal with those family issues, here's how you do it you take up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow me. We don't talk about the cross too often because it's such a a hard thing to think about. But the cross is where we say, I've given up control and God is in control. You know, when Jesus was on that cross, he wasn't in control. He had given up control to his father and to the people who put him there. When we take up a cross, we say, Jesus, I trust you to be in control. When we take up our cross, it's saying, God, I want you to speak to me in my heartaches and my pain and my suffering and my wounds. When we take up a cross, it means we admit things may not turn out the way I want them to. And that's okay. Because God's in control. When we take up a cross, it means sometimes my expectations are wrong and they're not going to be met. When we take up a cross, I mean God's plan is bigger than mine. But if God's bigger than me, His plans ought to be bigger than mine, hadn't they? And when we feel the pain of the cross, it means the nails and the crown of thorns and the rejection of the pain are doing some work that God wants done right here in our hearts because I find that's where God works the most showing me things in my heart that he needs to deal with when we take up the cross it means we discover the depths of God's love and the depths of God's life it's only when you die do you really live that's a hard concept Picture this. The Son of God lying on the ground and letting these dust people drive nails in His wrists and in His feet. The Creator of everything is stripped naked and lets Him place a crown of thorns on His head and the blood runs down in His eyes as they raise Him on that cross. Picture this, the king of kings and lord of lords allows them to hurl insults at him and call him all kinds of strange things and doubt who he is and reject him. And Jesus says, if you want to really be victorious, if you want to really thrive, you have to take up your cross. You have to die in order to really live because it's the cross that heals It's the cross that changes us from the inside out. It's the cross that takes death and brings life. It's the cross that cleanses us from all of our sins and restores us to relationship with the living God. It's the cross that brings us the peace and the hope and the joy of Jesus. And you can't have it. Without the cross, hmm. You make it sound pretty rough, Pastor. No, the Christian life is a wonderful life. It's a a glorious life. I will tell you, I am more blessed than I've ever been blessed in my life. As I stand up here today, God has shown me and taught me more things than I could ever imagine. And he's loved me in spite of myself. He's loved me even though I've failed him time and again. He's drawn me to him even though I've tried to wander. He's forgiven me of sins. He's dealt with my pride and my ego. I am more blessed than I deserve to be. And so are you. Because of Jesus Christ. And at the age of 17, he came into my life. But I figure after, see, I'm at least 20 years older than that now. Right, Tim? And I figure in that 20 years, I should have grown some and understood this a little more, right? I should be a little closer to him than I was at 17. That means I understand what it means to be a Christian. It's not about God doing my will. It's about me doing his will. It's not about God answering all my prayers my way. It's about me entering into the world he's created and working with him to see God do something in other people's lives. A businessman and a lawyer and a, and a missionary are traveling through Korea. And as they're traveling down the road, they see this sight of an old, an old man behind a plow and a young man hooked up to it like a horse and pulling the plow so they could plow the field and the lawyer kind of chuckles and takes a picture of that and turns to the missionary and says well I suppose they're poor the missionary says yeah they're poor that's the family of Chi now when the church was being built last year they didn't have anything to contribute so they sold their ox and took that money and gave it to the church so they could build the church and the businessman said that must have been quite a sacrifice and the missionary said they didn't call it a sacrifice they thought it was such a joy that they had an ox to sell and give it to the Lord's work that's what the cross does it makes us see things differently it reprioritizes what we think is important because it becomes about Jesus and all he wants for us in our lives I want to thrive in that relationship. And I think it can happen. I think that's what he wants. But first he has to come along and say, you know what, this is pretty hard ground in your heart right now, Mike, and we need to deal with it, and we're going to till it up. It's got to be okay, and it's going to hurt a little bit, but it's because I love you. And I want to plant some good things in your life. And for that to happen, we have to till this up, Mike, because it's a hard path you're, you're treading on. I want you to see me a little differently and love me a little more and understand that I, I love you more than you will ever, ever know. And I have the best for you. Just trust me in this. Let me end with this. George Harley was a missionary doctor in 1926. He and his wife, Winifred, sailed for Liberia, Africa. They got over there and George showed up at the Harvey Firestone Memorial Hospital and they wanted to make George chief of staff at this hospital. And George said, no, you can get a lot of doctors from the United States to come and be chief of staff at this hospital. They said, George, what do you want? He says, I want to go where no white man has ever gone before. They said, well, George, go to the edge of the city, walk three miles. From there on, it's where no white man's ever gone. So George and his wife, Winifred, packed all their belongings together and basically carried him on their back, which was hard for Winifred. She was seven months pregnant at the time, and they walked seventeen days into the jungle of Africa. They're getting a drink from a stream, and his wife's drinking. She stands up real quick and says, "Charge!" There's men over there behind that tree. And George says, "Yes, Winifred, I know. They're going to be our neighbors." And there, in the middle of the jungles of Africa, George cut down trees and made three huts, a chapel. His home, and a medical center that became the Gauta Mission Station in Liberia, Africa. George was telling us to a friend, he said, The hardest thing for a missionary to do on the mission field is to get in, to get people to accept you. Let me tell you how that happened for us. Winifred gave birth to a little boy, we named him Dickie, and he was the joy of our hearts. And one day as I was in the mission station, Dicky was about five, he was running across the field as I was watching out, and he slipped and fell got up and fell again and didn't get up and I ran out and he was feverish extremely feverish and he contacted the tropical fever that we were fighting he said I brought Dickie in and I put him in the in the the hospital and he said I said Dickie I'm going to do everything that Yale and, and Harvard taught me to help you get better after about four days George says I knew I couldn't do it and Dickie died and George said, I went out to the wood shop and I made his, I made his casket. We made a bed of leaves we put Dickie, Dickie on a bed of leaves and closed it up and had a prayer. He said, I went to bury my boy. He said, I had to literally carry him through the village. He said, up to this point, he said, I've been there five years. No villager had ever come to the church service. We had church every Sunday. I preached to my wife and my son. No villager ever showed up the, at, at our house. He said... They took my medicine. They just didn't want my Jesus. He says, I walked through the village. One of the villagers says, what's going on? He said, my boy died, and I'm going to bury him. And the villager said, let me help. He said, that's the first time that's ever happened. He said, I carried Dickie through the village. We got outside, and I dug a hole, and I buried him. And he said, at that point, it broke. He said, I fell on the ground. He said, here I was, 8,000 miles from home. Not a one could speak my language. And he said, I wept, and I wept and I wept and I wept he said that villager with me just stopped and watched finally got down on his hands and knees and looked at me and touched my tears and he stood up and ran back in the village he says white man white man he cry like one of us he cry like one of us he said that night as we sat around the table he said our whole world was falling apart I didn't know what to do and he said there came a knock at the door the first knock ever and I opened the door and he said, there stood the village chief, his wife, and every man, woman, and child in that village to pay their respects. He says, next Sunday, when we had church, he said, the church was full and people were outside. The whole village showed up for worship. Now I was one of them. Now I was in. And a man listening to that said, but George, to get in, you, you had... Your son had, well, he died. And George said this, You know, God, he had a boy too. And he died too for me. The hard places of life. They're there. We just decide whether we're going to let God plow in them and plant something wonderful in them. Or just shake our heads and say, God, I don't want it anymore. Let the devil come in and steal what God wants to plan on our lives. He won't force it. He gives you the power to choose. As I repeat from one of the movies I've watched, choose wisely. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. And Father, I pray in those hard places in our lives that we'll allow you to work when we don't understand. We'll trust you. We can't even take the next step, Lord. We'll put our hand in yours and say, Lord, give us strength. I pray, Lord, in those moments we'll not allow the devil to steal what you want to plant in our lives. We want to thrive in you, Lord. We want to flourish in you. Father, I pray that you'll be with us all as we travel home. Give us all safe travel this afternoon, Lord. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I will say, be careful.